Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Kittitas Valley Sports Talk Podcast. We're your home for Wildcats, Bulldogs, Warriors, and Coyotes. The place to go for the latest sports news on all your favorite local sports teams. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack or beverage, and enjoy. Now here's your host for your Kittitas Valley Sports Talk, Luke Olson, John Gudat, and Eric Sorensen. All right, Kittitas Valley Sports Talk fans, we are back. Episode 9, the Ted Williams episode. Guys, What Ted Williams was the greatest hitter ever lived. ball game. I think there could be, you know, people have debated LeBron James, Michael Jordan. I think a big debate should be Babe Ruth, Ted Williams. So you wouldn't say Teddy Ball Game and, or I guess Roger Maris wasn't the all-around player that Ted Williams. Mm-hmm. What about like a like a Paul Molitor? Ooh, that's an interesting. Can can Ted used to see the spin? Can he yeah. see the spin on the ball? He was a great best eyesight. That's why he was a a pilot too. Career four hundred hitter. <clears throat> Yeah. Was it career? Yeah, last time a person hit over 400 in a season. And he had the chance to... There's a documentary on uh, on uh, Netflix, and I'm sure Netflix will pay me for that sponsorship so. right there. But I was reading... Uh, he had the opportunity to like miss the last two or three games, or at least the last game of the season, mm-hmm. and to salvage his... four. I think it was 406, and he's like, no, I get paid to I'm play a, baseball, I'm and playing. I love playing. Yeah, Why would I want to sit out a game? So he was, he was the reason I wore number nine growing up. And then if you look at my college numbers, uh, that was about the time in life when number nine doesn't come in my size. <laughs> yep. So I had to be uh, 22, then 39, 10 micrograms. You went into the huskier yeah, sizes. Was, yeah. I'd like to think it was the weight room, not the, the soda because your pecs and, <laughs> and pecs and shoulders were just too big. Absolutely. Get out of the weight it room. It definitely was not the midsection. Well, uh, what a fun time. You know, we had a, a really good fall. We got all our fall seasons are starting to wrap up. We're in playoffs now. Basketball starting. Um, gosh, what a good time. You know, it's kind of fun. We made it through a quarter of the, you know, this the podcast year. That's right. Um, nine whoop. weeks. Nine weeks now. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're getting some more listeners, and hopefully you guys keep sharing it. And and we got to can't forget, we got a sponsor now, Fitter's Furniture. Uh, best furniture that there is in the Valley, you know, on the corner of 4th and Main. Can you, can, you remember last week's uh, podcast, uh, coach, coach Fitterer was saying it just in the middle of whatever you were saying, he was talking about family and then boom, he ran right into his, uh, Fitterer's furniture plug True pro. without even tripping over his words. I thought that was pretty impressive. That was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. What an interview that was, wasn't it? It was, yeah. it was a great interview. I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot when we were talking to him. I learned a lot when we were just, you know, picking up other things when we were, uh, when I was listening to it, to it after the fact. And that guy's going to forget more about basketball than 99.9% of the people will ever know. Oh, I think so. I mean, I had like fangirl status the entire time that even part of the recording screwed up and I've had to, had to redo part of it, but luckily we didn't lose that episode. Uh, like he said, quality furniture since, since 1896. Yeah, that's how we did it. And I think we left some open-ended questions. I hope we can have him back and interview some more and hear more stories about that. That was awesome. Yeah, it could have been one of those ones where, well, we kind of did, where we just hit record, sat back, and and let him take it. And honestly, I'm looking forward to uh, to this week's interview with Dennis, who we're going to talk to here in a couple of minutes, Dennis Francois, yeah. with the uh, for CWU, the athletic director there, and uh, got plenty of questions for him. So sit back and sit tight. We'll be uh, introducing him in a moment. 
but a great weekend of sports finishing. I know Monday is not a weekend, but finishing with a kind of still kind of still buzzing on that Monday night football uh, finale. Have you guys recovered yet? Because I know I didn't get to sleep very easily. I slept good. I would have slept horribly if they (laughs) lost. We had so many opportunities to lose that. Yeah. I think I was going to be happy with the tie. I don't know. After Wilson picked that, you know, he threw that interception, I was like, uh, I'll take a tie at that point. But it was a mix of live stats, TV, and then Luke's Twitter. Uh, yes, that's that's what it was for me last night. If you yeah. haven't followed Luke, look what's your Twitter handle? Luke Olson B. If you want up to date stats and and we're not getting it done on Kid S Valley Sports Talk, Just, you look at Luke's. Yeah, I'm still looking for that blue check mark so I can be official. Only a matter of time. Yeah, I, I believe you got yeah. a blue check mark. No, I don't. I need. Oh, you it. don't. I need it. Hashtag I, I get will blue mark for. Luke. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I people aren't going to believe me, but even. Going into the last minute when we, because then we get the ball back and then went, we had to punt it again. Yeah, yeah. Even then, I was like, yeah, we're playing for a tie, but guys, there's still a shot. I mean, and then we got the ball back, and I thought, hmm, this is gonna be awesome. And what a cool redemption story of the kicker after having a week he did last week. And I know. I mean, I, I, yeah, even that last few, I was, I wasn't gonna be, too, I would have been mad if you missed, but yeah. I was like, we got a tie, you know. Right. It's better than the loss, but, but yeah, way to redeem, you know, redeem himself. One thing that I was thinking about, and I think this was on the uh, Cole Canyon episode when we, mm-hmm. the would you rather, would you rather lose big early or would you rather lose at the very end when mm-hmm. you're still in it? And I was thinking about that during Monday Night Football because, um, you know, San Francisco started hot and then we were rolling and then the fourth quarter happened or late third, early fourth quarter happened. So it was neck and neck for, I, I would say, most of the game mm-hmm. and uh so I was thinking, man, this is going to be an emotional loss for somebody. I wasn't really thinking of ties. Yeah. I mean, I guess that entered my mind a little bit after like after two. Once it hit two minutes, I was like, it could be a tie. You know, I, I just I can't believe it. I was, uh, you know, we talk about Twitter and Tim Booth, uh, you know, Ellensburg grad, Central grad, used to mentor me a little bit at the CW Observer. So I follow him on uh, on Twitter, and he made a good point. There was five possessions in 10 minutes of overtime. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah. I mean, it really was literally back and forth. Yeah. I hope both teams went out other than the Niners losing to the Seahawks. And we get the preview of the NFC Championship game in Seattle. Um, yeah. That's... I mean, I think Luke's going to get all three of us press passes. I'm, covered, <laughs> for I'm for sure covered that last game. Because the last game of the year is against the 49ers. Yeah. I've got two sets of friends that have uh, season tickets. And uh, I've talked to one of them, like, do you go to that game or do you sell them and pretty much pay for your entire season picket, ticket package? I mean, oh. on the idea that the teams went out or are like, you know, have, have 12 wins or 10 wins at that point, you, you sell the ticket. I had, be a hot ticket. I had this exact conversation today with my dad in the pickup feeding cows, <laughs> which yeah. was where we solve all the world's problems. That's right. And. As he said about, you know, if you had a couple tickets this game, I'd sell it and stay home and watch the game. I said, no, Dad. I would have bought six tickets, sold four of them, and went with my wife. <laughs> and I would have paid <laughs> yeah. for my tickets, plus brought home my season tickets paid for. Well, the, the cheapest <laughs> ticket yesterday was like 220 I looked online. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That would be awesome. But And and I don't want to say that that's cheap, but relatively speaking, 220 bucks 
given the season that. that the Hawks are having. Mm-hmm. It's kind of relatively cheap. My my greatest investment and in I was uh, in 2014 when they went to the NFC Championship against the Packers. Mm-hmm. I tickets were too expensive; nobody wanted to pay, so I I, I bought one myself. And I you went yeah to that game. I had a my brother in law has season tickets, and I tailgated with them. And then once we got to the game, I went to my seat. And sat myself with other people just because I thought it was like it was worth it, you know. It was Absolutely. like be, even if they lost, it's just a kind of memorable. What a comeback! And that was a game that had all the yeah. They got the onside. That was a kick. comeback. John Ryan threw a yeah. touchdown, right? Yeah. Even though <laughs> Michael I was a loner, Bennett does a yeah. lap around the the. Oh my god, you were at that game in the bike. I was a loner, but it worked out. Hey, I think that's a conversation <laughs> for another episode because I had that same scenario, but it was a concert this summer to go by myself, and I did, and it was awesome. Yeah, you pretty. You know, Nobody's Seahawks game, you're you. not really, yeah. Con, I mean, you're not really luck because I mean, everyone's your friend. Oh, the yeah. Seahawks game, definitely. But I might have not have gone if like I didn't have anybody like because my brother in law tailgates and stuff. So I was all with them, you know, hours before the yeah. game, and I just hopped in. And well, I wasn't too far away, but yeah, it was an awesome game to go to. But that's ticket, so cool. the ticket was like 250 bucks. Worth it. It was worth it. I got it the night before. Oh my goodness. Craigslist. So it's kind of risky. Yeah. <laughs> but, Did you have to meet him in a back alley somewhere and pay for cash? No, he just, he tra- he transferred it. He trusted me. So he transferred the ticket to me and then I paid him. Wow. So, Whoa. Yeah. That's cool. I think we were, we, we could tell we like we were legit. And yeah. You weren't some it computer out. somewhere from yeah. wow. an Arabic nation. But trying to, I don't know. Yeah. It was worth it. I paid 250 again for that game. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I paid. Oh, wait. Yeah. I mean, 250 is expensive. But. Yeah. A lot of money, yeah, but that's Seahawk history that'll never be up. That'll be shown for years. That game, yeah, yeah, it was, it was wow. cool. Well, it wasn't that cool as that game, but we got to sit. Uh, John was on the road going to Kittitas on Friday night, but Luke was covering the game when I was there, sitting top row with Kittitas alumni Alan Lau, which you know, that's right, Alan Lau. Yeah, we were up that watching Central's basketball team play this week. They opened up at home, we got to see him beat up on a Cal State Monterey Bay 93 to 73. Uh, a big Aussie for Monterey Bay. Basically, it was giving the ball. He'd back our guy down, score. But it was so nice to be back. Uh, I'm really excited about this Central basketball team this year. They're huge. They're bigger. They're quicker. And what do you think about that? Yeah, they have a lot of a lot of weapons. Uh, Jaron Lucas, one of the you know the top you know returners, and it seemed like he could not miss. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they yeah they have a lot of it seemed like they have a lot of guard good guard. I mean they have Boykin Lucas and they got. Xavier Smith, the transfer. Then they have a guy named Devon Bolton from Northern Arizona who scored 18 in the second game uh, that they lost. But yeah, they got, I mean, they have, it's like a brand new team really, but Renta wanted to get experience and size. And I think he did that. And a little too early to see how they're, you know, to get a mm-hmm. exact, you know, how they're going <clears> to <throat> be. But I think they'll be pretty good and we'll see how it goes once they start getting into GNAC play. I think the big thing there, um, obviously, they didn't get the dub on both nights, losing to Bernardino the mm-hmm. Saturday night. But the big thing there is that's a that's a West Region win. Yeah, um, huge. and and same thing for the uh, the CW women. Uh, West Region win when they beat Stanislaus State on on Friday. Um, lost to Hawaii Pacific, which Hawaii Pacific went two and zero in this tournament here. So maybe they're a um, a team to watch out for. I mean, and we'll talk to Dennis later. And if he has to schedule a central game in Hawaii for us to cover for a, a sports talk episode and they pay for it, I'm I guess we'll go it. to Hawaii. I'm willing to do it. I'd even do a live stream and call the game. 
if they're going to pay for us to go to Hawaii. If they're going to pay for us to go to Hawaii, and we're going to ask Dennis here in just a second. Yeah. Um, Please make it a You got to give the fans <laughs> what they want, and the fans want to see us, the trio here yes. in Hawaii. On on the beach. I mean, in the gym, watching the basketball game go. Uh, but no, guys, I think, uh, and I think we need to start this talk now, because they have the central basketball team. That's a, let's see. I'm scrolling through the schedule on the computer. February 1st is when Western Washington comes to town. And we've been talking in the past about how, I don't know if pathetic's the right word, but how pathetic it's been at the Western game last year. There was nobody there. And I think, guys, if you don't realize, that's the only time that you can openly chant a not very nice word that ends in you, Western. <laughs> and people kind of turn their heads a little bit and they don't care because or you chant a Western, Western, you suck chant happens i feel bad for the person in front of me that they turned their hearing aid off right as i started yelling behind them i remember the, you texted me that <laughs> i felt really That's bad almost a year ago yeah. and i still remember you texted but we me need that. to uh get people start heading to nicholson pavilion for home games i mean they're back on the 22nd the boys are against evergreen state college uh we got to start getting that thing warmed up because i think this is a year that central and western game is going to be pretty darn good yeah i think central's uh the men are are going to be back on the map uh, the women, like we talked about a week or two ago, are are picked to win the GNAC. Yeah. Um, so I think Nicholson Pavilion is going to be the site of some pretty dang good games. Well, even I mean, you got to put on your calendars now. I mean, they host ever the boys host Evergreen State College on the twenty second, Corbin on the twenty sixth, but both boys and girls are going to be home December fifth, uh, Seattle Pacific on that Thursday night. And if you guys haven't been to that game, that's always a fun one to. To watch, I mean, SPU is a quality program. Yep. And for the price of one ticket, you get to watch both boys and girls games. That's right. Are both going to be very competitive. And then you got you come back on the uh, Saturday. St. Martin's is in town, and that's a huge one. I know that St. Martin's was picked last for the men's league, but I mean, they still have had very good tradition the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even if they're picked last, I mean, they won the GNAC last year. Yeah. So, I mean, even if they have a major drop off, there's there's still guys on the team that. Yeah. We're part of that GNAC team. So, and if you get into the Wildcat Club at halftime, there's free soda pops. I'll say there's barley pops up there too for free. <laughs> and you got a nice dinner. You take your family up there and get a dinner too. You get food. Wow. I let, and it works out good because Ellie, my daughter, doesn't handle sitting in the stands. Got to mix it up a little bit. She can right? go up in that upstairs gym and run circles, and we can have dinner. That's and right. Ellie, get over here. And you can watch kind of from the corner. You right? can, yeah. And yeah. They, they shut you down when the game starts. But at Wildcat Club's a real deal. And we'll have maybe I'll have Dennis talk about it here and talk about bit. that a little bit here in just a moment. But before yeah. we go into that, I got one more. I got a I got a, uh, a very proud dad moment from the game Saturday central football game. Uh, I don't know if I've told you guys this yet, but I took Ellie, Daddy Daughter Day at the football game, and we were we sat on the visitor sideline because there's so much room. If you have kids and you need something to do on a Saturday, go to a central football game. They can run circles over there. It fortunately rained, and there was puddles, and we had a great time. But she watched the whole first quarter holding onto the fence, and at one point, a very large hit happened in front of us. Like, the dude got smacked hard. And she turns to me and goes, whoa! <laughs> yes! And then at one point... Did that she, make her a fan right there? Yeah, it was awesome. That was, that was a very proud dad moment. Uh, well, I will say, though... Um, there's some great room. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. going to sit on, if you got no room, and there's been times this season where there's legitimately no room on the home side, mm-hmm. it's great because you can walk around. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, well, it's not bathrooms, but porta potties mm-hmm. there. Uh, there's plenty of space, and and uh, again, we're going to talk about uh, this with Dennis in a little bit, but that's just a great venue. Yeah, it was already a good venue. Mm-hmm. It's a great venue now, and I'm I'm bummed that it's the last game home game happened, but. 
it's truly a family atmosphere. You don't get that UW or WSU games because there's you're in your seats, but it's a really cool setting. They get there, and Central basketball games are just as fun, and they do a good job. They put it on like a pro program. Well, I think they've heard us talk enough. I think we should bring Dennis Francois in here, AD of Central Washington University. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back to you after these messages with a very fun interview that we've all been looking forward to this week. All right, Kid S Valley Sports Talk fans, welcome back to our guest segment brought to you by Fitterus Furniture, uh, quality furniture there on 4th and Main in Ellensburg. Uh, thank you again to sponsoring us and sponsoring today's guest, Dennis Francois, Athletic Director of Central Washington University. Dennis, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's just, you know, let's get into every, you know, we start off talking to everybody, their, their path to, to Central or the path to Ellensburg. So start us off where you started, what got you into being an Athletic Director and and the process to getting you here? Well, uh, my story is probably a little atypical of most uh, uh, athletic directors at the college level. Um, I, I wrestled in college and, uh, you know, enjoyed that experience and, and went on and continued coaching at the collegiate level. I uh, was able to get my master's degree uh, from Loris College. And when I was there, I had a couple of very influential professors that uh, uh, kind of made me open my eyes a little bit and say, do I want to keep staying on that wrestling mat and getting beat up every day. Uh, the kids stay the same age. We, we get a year older and the kids uh, stay the same age. And wrestling's that sport where you're out there kind of banging with the guys on the mat a little bit more probably than most other college sports. And But uh, like I said, I had a couple of very great professors there. And one of them uh, received his PhD from the University of New Mexico. And so that was kind of the path I chose. I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to go on and get my doctorate and, and be a college professor. And I did that for eight years and uh, really enjoyed that experience. And sometimes I wonder why I stopped that experience, <laughs> but uh, you know, really what it was, I had an opportunity to serve as an interim athletic director at a, at a university in New Mexico when I was down there uh, as a professor and uh, did that for a year and a half and uh, really in, enjoyed it. Got my blood flowing a little bit for athletics and uh, didn't get the permanent position and uh, stayed on as a faculty, of course, there and uh, was there for four years and then had an opportunity to go to Southern Oregon University and uh, as the athletic director. And I did that and we were there for about three and a half, four years. And uh, when I was there, I had an opportunity to uh, you know, go go back to Iowa, my, my home and uh, at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, as the associate AD for external affairs and did that for uh, essentially five years and uh, really had a great experience there learned a ton um, big time basketball uh, of course you saw the Evansville flying aces or purple aces yeah. excuse me uh, <laughs> knock off Kentucky last night uh, they're part of the Missouri Valley Conference so, so great basketball when I was there Creighton was still in that league Wichita State was still in the league and and uh, it was a lot of fun and saw saw a lot of great basketball and then uh, they've got a little track meet that they host every year called the Drake Relays. <laughs> it is a monster and uh, 100 and probably 10 years right now running. And uh, it is a, a pretty special event. And uh, that was a, a joy doing that. We hosted D1 track and field championships uh, twice when I was there, USA track and field championships. So learned a lot, uh, know a lot about track that I'll never use. But <laughs> it was used a little bit, of course, when we did our uh, Tomlinson renovation, but uh, was there for five years though, essentially, and then had an opportunity to come back west, and and uh, that was really we we're looking for the right opportunity out west again. We just uh, uh, born and raised in Iowa, but you know a, a few of those winters and summers, a hot humidity, uh, said yeah, we need to go back west, and uh, my wife and I 
made that commitment and we came to Central and been here. This is my seventh year, so uh, exciting times. I don't know how you... Oh, sorry. Just one quick little comment. I don't know how you left Iowa. The barbecue back there? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Back for when I used to work for John Deere and take customers back. Oh. Jethro's Barbecue. Jethro's, oh, yeah. my goodness. Right down you guys, the street. <laughs> go to Des Moines. Go to Jethro's. Sorry, Jethro's. Been to Des Moines uh, <laughs> many times. Actually, uh, Drake is in our family, actually, from some uh, uh, Drake College uh, graduates. But the uh, question I was going to ask, now I'm distracted by barbecue country. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, um, when you were looking for the next opportunity, what was it about Central or, or Ellensburg or just the Northwest that specifically attracted your attention? Well, I, I think... You know, as most ADs would probably admit that, you know, f- football, if you want to continue at, at, in, in an athletic director, uh, at, at an administrative role, that you, if you have football, that's probably uh, you need to go to a place with football. And uh, I, I looked around a little bit. I had a, a few interviews that summer and or that spring, and, and uh, one of them I, I pulled my name out after I interviewed, and uh, it was a school that didn't have football, and uh, one of them, uh, they went a different direction, and uh, what it was here, though, is, is really uh, we, we love the people, you know, and that's, you know, has been validated here in the last six plus years. And, uh, of, of course, having a president that is, you know, firmly behind athletics, somebody that uh, understands uh, the role athletics plays, not only in enhancing and changing the student athletes in their lives, uh, but also what athletics can do for a university. And I think football is a big driver of that. So uh, that was part of it. But I'm a small town Iowa boy and Ellensburg would be a city where I'm from. And so uh, it's it's not a it's not like you're moving to some small remote area. Ellensburg's a, a great community and, you know, uh, 30 minutes from a Costco run and 90 minutes from all the traffic you want. So uh, <laughs> that's kind of how I sum it up. And uh, love the mountains, love the West, and, and so that was it. But Central is just a, a special place. met a, a ton of great people during my interview and uh, a history of, of success in a lot of programs. Uh, I think there were a lot of areas that we felt that we could, uh, you know, make an impact and make a difference, and, uh, and I think we've uh, done a little bit of that in, in six-plus years, and we've still got more to go. So... You know, you, you mentioned like the Drake Relays and, and hosting championship type of events. I mean, those are major nationally, if not worldwide known type of events. Um, is that from an athletic director or, or an admin kind of perspective, is that nerve wracking the first uh, year or two of, of being involved with that? Or, or was it one of those things where it was just enjoyable, probably all encompassing, stressful and time consuming, but that kind of stuff is it enjoyable you you bet you know your your juices get flowing with that and you put so much time and energy into that preparation uh, you know for for the drake relays for instance uh i my first year was the 100th running of the drake relays so it was a centennial year and it was a very special year we brought back uh, they had the top 10 female uh athletes and top 10 male athletes of all time so uh you know Gosh, Michael Johnson was there. Cool. Uh, Calvin Smith was there. Uh, Al Or Al Order's uh, wife was there. He he passed away, uh, but we had all these people that were, you know, Lolo Jones is a Des Moines gal, so she's there just every year. But those were part of that top ten list. So all that pageantry that goes around the relays is, is pretty special. And uh, my brother ran in the relays in, in high school, so I'd never been to the Drake relays uh, until that first year. And, and you almost got to experience before you can really realize what it entails. So, you know, 
we had season tickets for for Drake relays. You know, they, they had people that have season tickets for that, and they've had them for their family for you know sixty years or longer. And and so it's it's like another sport essentially at, at Drake. You know, I was in charge of our ticket operations, marketing, sports info. You know, boosters and our corporate sponsorship stuff with IMG, and uh, but all that experience though. So we're we're planning for the relays literally in in November, December. We're sending out ticket renewals in December for the relays, and it doesn't happen until you know the, the third week of March or excuse me April. And uh, but it is a ton of prep, a ton of energy goes into it, and you know. It, our athletes are, are a very, very small part of, of that, our student athletes there. So uh, it was really about all these, you know, literally top national type folks, but also world caliber student athletes. Uh, the last year I was there, I think we had 26, maybe it was 29 Olympians uh, there. So uh, there's a, a high school, Iowa high school division. There's a collegiate division there's a university division and then the elites and the elites you know you're bringing in all these you know truly olympian type caliber people and uh you know numerous olympian olympic champions and uh, it's quite an event quite a festivity uh yeah it's exciting (laughs) to answer your question it's really exciting but a lot of prep goes into it and uh you know it's it's a major event and you can't screw it up and uh uh and, and there's a lot of people my my side of it was more of the the revenue side and the sponsorship and tickets and all those types of things and but uh you know the actual track meet operations there's a committee that does that we bring in some of the greatest officials and field marshals in the nation for that event and um uh it, it's it's an exciting time it really is but really nice when it's finished <laughs> so that kind of leads me into i didn't even realize i was going to ask this question until you started you know <laughs> talking about the logistics of it all but uh so when I'm at a football game or basketball or volleyball or whatever the event, um, obviously you're there. And so, but I never see you in one, I mean, so obviously you're a sports fan, athletics fan, it's in your blood and everything like that. But I've rarely seen you be in one spot more than a, more mm-hmm. than a few minutes, either, you know, chatting with, you know, alumni or, or maybe athletes or whatever it is. So how much of a game or event do you get to see? I mean, it seems like you're moving and shaking all over the place. Well, you know, I think there's sometimes, John, I'd rather be a fan. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, it's it's great. And, you know, you're, you're there at an event and you've got all these people that are coming out, you know, corporate partners, uh, you know, our, our, our medical docs, uh, you know, whether it be KBH or, or Orthopedics Northwest with Dr. Rue and, and his his folks there, um, but a lot of a lot of donors and uh, other administrators and you know people from uh, visiting institutions. Uh, but those are things that you know I I feel it's my obligation to you know say hi to those folks and you know chat with them a bit and uh, you know I can hear some griping at times and that's part of it too. You, you, that's part of the job. You hear hear some of the the comments that you don't want to hear, but you know, that's the stuff that you need to hear and you try to correct it and uh, make it a better experience for those fans and those partners that are, that are out there. But uh, a lot of logistics go into those things. And uh, you know, Gary Hyatt, our deputy AD just does a fantastic job in terms of uh, he's the one that kind of manages those, uh, those events. And then you've got uh, Tyler Unsicker, our, our associate AD for external who does all the marketing and promotions and things like that. So those things are, very important part of it, but for me, I, I enjoy the the events, and I go to probably ninety plus percent of our home events, and um, you know. But it is it's it's nice to talk to talk to fans, talk to parents, talk to 
donors and supporters of our program and uh, you know touch base with them it's uh it's part of the job and, and something I, I enjoy doing you talk about 90 percent of home games but i mean with so many of our alumni in that i-5 corridor of seattle tacoma um i, I gotta assume you're you're on the road quite a bit as well uh you know i, I have been lately uh, i try to go to most of our uh, away football games, uh, usually, you know, corresponding with some donor visits. We were down in L.A. last last week and uh, or two weeks ago, I guess it was. And, and uh, we had some uh, donor visits uh, in the days leading up to that and uh, to the game. And, of course, we had a pregame function and had some of those uh, supporters and alumni at the game as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those those are, you know, part of the part of the job. And, yeah, uh, sometimes it gets a little busier travel than you want. Uh, but, you know, definitely go over to the conference championship uh, uh, tomorrow for soccer and then going up to Simon Fraser this weekend to hopefully watch our men capture a, a third consecutive uh, second share of the title, the third consecutive uh, uh, conference title. So that's important to be there for the student athletes as well. Well, it's, you know, you're talking about donors and, and talking with everybody, and I feel like the alumni has really stepped up because look at what's happening. I mean, Tomlinson Stadium is phenomenal, a great plus or spot to watch the game. you got the softball and baseball fields getting new backstops, and, and things are happening. And you were talking about uh, the health education project coming up, but just talk us through all the, the updates at Central Washington University for athletics and, and all the great things happening. You bet. Well, the Wildcat Commons project, um, you know, was something that we hatched you know, basically five plus years ago. And, um, you know, that was really done in, in a lot of uh, cooperation and collaboration with uh, Dr. Gaudino, of course, our president, and, and then, of course, uh, Scott Wade, you know, our, our, mm-hmm. our late university uh, ad- advancement uh, vice president. And, uh, you know, Scott was just a major force in a lot of that fundraising, and uh, Dr. Gaudino as well. And, uh, and, and we'd be out on uh, visits all the time and, you know, making ass of people and getting their commitment to, to making that happen. But yeah, th- th- that was something that really, you know, we started literally my first year here and, and really started developing those plans and kind of formally introduced it the following year. And uh, really, we kind of just cast that vision of what we feel that, you know, our, our athletic programs can can uh, can be. And part of that is is the, is the facility itself. Uh, we were looking at, you know, kind of what, what how can we make Tomlinson Stadium get a lot more utility out of it than we are right at the current time. We're hosting maybe five, six football games a year, a spring game, and uh, just not getting a lot of use, and and there's a lot of maintenance in that as well. And then our track was really kind of beyond repair. It had been resurfaced in 1992 and hadn't been touched since. And, you know, stopped having uh, GNAC events on it because of the condition of the track. And so we lose out on those opportunities. That's probably the biggest thing when you start looking at facilities that are kind of losing their luster is you lose out on those opportunities to host, you know, the the state, regional, and and district track meets that we did this year uh, through Allensburg High School. Uh, Missing out on hosting the, you know, 2A, 3A, or 3A, 4A, was it? all-star game football all-star yes. game this summer you know so those are the things that we knew uh, it would do of course it's a game changer for our athletic program and our student athletes and all those sports uh, but it also is a huge impact on our our university when we're having these type of events that people come on to our campus uh, for the first time many of those you know moms and dads and student athletes and brothers and sisters uh, to to watch their their uh, siblings compete and watch their children compete and uh, a lot of them, you know, as I say, they haven't been two blocks off the interstate. You know, they, 
you know, they, they say they come through Ellensburg all the time because my grandma lives in Spokane and we, you know, we get two blocks off the interstate to, you know, make a, a subway run and use the restroom. And, and uh, but they knew we had a campus here, but they'd never been on campus and they're blown away every time they come. And uh, now with these new facilities, it really allows us to do a lot more of that. And, uh, you know, we saw it this past year and I think this, this coming weekend we have uh, going to be hosting the 2A uh, volleyball championships on our on our campus which is very exciting you know got what, 16 teams coming into to ellensburg and and of course all those things too are a huge economic impact on our community you know and all of a sudden uh, the rooms are the hotel rooms are full the restaurants are full the gas stations people filling up people shopping downtown and so that's really what we want to be we want to be a great partner in the ellensburg community and be a driver for for those types of things and uh, but those are exciting, and those those uh, facility upgrades uh, are, are great for our student athletes in the recruiting game as well. Uh, another big one, as you mentioned, as I'm here in your shrine of Central Central hey. Baseball right yes. here. Uh, this looks great. Uh, it is part of that, Eric. Though is is that was a facility. You know, that was probably the next in line after we got the track. Uh, that was probably on the you know top of that list in terms of uh, needing a lot of repair. It was our baseball stadium and. So we, you know, put in a new backstop there, put in a lot more cement uh, around there and just tried to clean that up. And then, of course, a, a safety netting between softball, baseball, and did a lot of cement work around, uh, concrete work around baseball or softball as well. And, and of course, it makes a, a better student-athlete experience, but definitely a better fan experience. And, and that's important. We want our fans to come there and enjoy the, enjoy the uh, event, enjoy the game in, in a safe environment as well. Well, the coach has got to appreciate it because that just makes it recruiting so much easier. Most definitely, yeah, and uh, and we we were never shy about that. It's it's a game changer yeah. for us, and uh, but uh, you know there's a lot of other uh, positive effects of all those uh, upgrades. And you mentioned the health education building, right. and uh, that's part of our our uh, Wildcat Commons project was you know creating a, a new home for Wildcat athletics, and uh, our home right now is Nicholson, and and uh, Ironically or fortunately, uh, Nicholson is actually 73% academic in terms of its time and space utilization. And so otherwise, we would never you know, be able to get uh, legislative funding, state funding for, for a building that was just athletics. And uh, so there's a lot of academic programming that happens in our building, and they're kind enough to share it with us. And uh, so we, we received $5 million from the legislature for the design phase. And uh, hopefully we'll be in a situation about 16, 18 months from now uh, to, to go to the legislature for, for construction funding for that facility. So when you're, and I'm not going to hold you to anything, obviously, because we're, you know, there are tons <clears throat> of ideas in that design phase, but are there key elements um, or maybe trends that you see that are being built in, in other campuses that you think, man, this might be a, a priority for us in terms of the changes you want to make or the upgrades you want to make? Well, yeah, from an athletic side, there, there are quite a few, John, for sure. Um, but from an academic side, you know, I, I definitely, you know, value and, and look at that as well and realize that that's really what the, the primary purpose of this facility is. And so, you know, just uh, classrooms, you know, and of course those can double as, as meeting rooms for our, for our coaches and our student athletes. As, as well but you know classrooms that really has the, the latest and greatest technology for teaching our students and uh, you know lab space for for different physical education type courses and activity courses uh, of course a lot of those bigger uh, spaces that go into these types of facilities are activity spaces for you know uh, 
physical education classes, but uh, definitely utilized for, for athletics as well. And our weight room is, uh, you know, archaic and, and it definitely needs a, a facelift and uh, some major improvements, not only in, in space, but also the equipment in there. Uh, so, but those are also heavily, heavily used by academics and uh, really our facility from eight o'clock in the morning until two o'clock in the afternoon is all academic. And uh, so we've got to fit a lot of things in before eight if we want to, <laughs> and which is uh, tough on our students when they're getting up for, you know, six o'clock uh, weights and conditioning. Uh, but then we, you know, right now we've got volleyball, basketball, men's and women's all using our, our the pavilion. And so you're, you've got six hour window in there to get th- uh, three practices. And uh, that's just not ideal by any means, but uh, we make it work. Uh, but hopefully a, a renovation uh, of that facility uh, will, will help alleviate some of those pressures. Uh, but some of the amenities, I think, of course, weight room is one of the things that we definitely, uh, you know, would use and uh, need because it uh, impacts really all of our all of our student athletes and all of our programs, uh, our athletic training area. Uh, of course, we've got, uh, uh, you know, 425 plus student athletes and uh, we've got a nice athletic training facility, uh, but it is probably about three times too small <laughs> when you have that many student athletes. And uh, so those are the upgrades that we really see as being uh, big parts of that. And then, uh, of course, a convocation center. The Nicholson Pavilion is the biggest facility, indoor facility on our campus. It's about 2,400, and you get a few more on the floor if you put a stage up there. But, um, you know, that is just not big enough to accommodate really some of the demands that we have in terms of, you know, graduation, commencement uh, is a big one. And we rely on being outdoors, and it would be great to – you know, be able to move that indoors and not, you know, kind of uh, leave it up to the weather to, to dictate a few things. Well, I think another thing we need to talk about and bring up, you know, with the renovations of everything, and especially if you're at football games in that uh, north end zone, and at basketball games, you got the halftime. If you're a part of the Wildcat Club, uh, it's, it's, I know I'm a member of it, uh, I, you know, sports the athletes, but you also get pretty cool amenities when you go to all the sports games. So talk about the uh, Wildcat Club a little bit and, and, uh, you bet. Yeah. The Wildcat Club is, is really the fundraising arm uh, for the athletic department, and uh, they're part of the university advancement, essentially, uh, office. But uh, uh, the Wildcat Club is. It's, it's a major uh, component of, of what we do, and uh, a couple of the events that we host, of course, the Kitna Classic in the, in the summer, and then the Hall of Fame. Uh, all of that, all those monies go, go into our Wildcat Club, essentially, and mm-hmm. into, into the university advancement or the foundation office. And uh, right there is, is really where we're paying a lot of those cash scholarships for student athletes. Uh, you know, when you have a, a tuition on one side and then you've got a cash component for room and board and, and books on the other side. So uh, the amount of scholarships that we give, up, give out, we've been able to actually increase that here in the last few years in terms of the cash component, which is very Im- important because the, the cash is, is really the uh, above and beyond when you're getting those really special student athletes that are having offers from elsewhere. Uh, you got to compete uh, not only with tuition money, but uh, you got to have that cash. So uh, that's a that's a big one for us. But the Wildcat Club and the Alumni Plaza uh, and, uh, of course, our halftime hospitality, that are some of the things that allows you to, to, to get into and access. Uh, the Alumni Plaza has been a, a huge addition to our football games yeah. and uh, just watching it from up there and getting a, a nice meal at halftime and able to buy some uh, refreshments up there as well has been uh, a great addition to the to the game experience for our fans. Uh, and then the halftime hospitality, we usually kick that in, of course, start of the conference season for our conference games. And uh, that's a, a nice little break to get up and uh, 
uh, get out of your seat and go have a little bite to eat and a, and a beverage, and, and that's a, a good thing there. But the Wildcat Club is, is critically important. We moved our annual fund uh, campaign into the spring this year. Uh, kind of a couple reasons why, but a, a big part was for fulfillment. So, you know, if people are renewing early, then we can make sure we get all the things they need to them prior to the football season starting. And a lot of times when we did it in the late summer or July, essentially, uh, you know, it was just last second, hey, I just sent this in and need to get my tickets or my parking, so on and so forth. So from a fulfillment standpoint, we're able to do that a little bit easier, uh, but also uh, in, ended up kind of getting, it's more of the industry standard for, for some maybe bigger institutions for sure. But moving it to the spring, uh, we'd be able to put a little more resources into that as well in terms of follow-up on on some of those uh, uh, renewals. The the other thing that we did uh, is moved our alumni challenge from the spring into the fall, and that's going on right now. Um, and the alumni challenge is something that we uh, created. Uh, I guess this is our sixth year of that. Uh, and I, everything we do in athletics is stolen from somewhere probably. Uh, <laughs> but I've been watching Hofstra University out in New York, uh, what they did for a number of years. And they have a, a thing, basically it's the same thing. It's the alumni challenge. And so each sport, former student athletes, which you're part of, uh, Eric, uh, are, are able to go against other mm-hmm. sports and the, the highest number, highest, excuse me, highest percentage of former student athletes giving back to that campaign, uh, that team actually gets a $5,000 prize essentially that goes into their foundation account. And then it's a $25 minimum. And uh, so anything above $25. Uh, so if you gave $100 and 25 goes to the Wildcat Club, I can designate that next $75. In your case, it probably goes to baseball. So it's that team with the highest percentage mm-hmm. of former student athletes giving back wins the $5,000 prize. And then we've got two $2,500 prizes that goes to the team that raises the most money. And then the team that has the highest number of donors, which isn't necessarily the same as percentage. Mm So smaller teams do pretty well because they have less, fewer uh, alumni out there. Uh, It's the bigger teams that, you know, usually probably get more donors Mm -hmm. and generate more revenue. Uh, generate more money but uh, it's really not about the money for us and we said this from the very get-go it's about getting more former student-athletes giving back when we started our campaign we had 1.7 percent of our former student-athletes giving back yeah I know John that's not a high amount (laughs) Uh, only 1.7 percent and and there was probably at that time we had about 35 maybe close to 4,000 good names you know of, of athletes former student athletes and now that number is close to, you know, eight to nine percent uh, that give back. So really, growing that n, growing that number, is the critical thing because, you know, that twenty-five dollar gift maybe uh, right away, uh, you know, when they first graduate becomes a fifty-dollar gift a few years later, becomes a hundred-dollar gift, and hopefully they can put a zero behind that, you know, when they're ten years out and uh, you know off into their career. So the other part of that too is our student athletes are involved and, and they're actually on the phones uh, you know, a couple nights during the, the campaign and, and calling former student athletes and uh, they're gonna be on the other end of that phone call uh, once they leave Central too. And so hopefully they, they realize the importance of giving back and uh, trying to develop that culture of philanthropy and culture of giving and uh, realize that all those things that are afforded to them right now, these, some of these upgrades that we've been able to do to all of our uh, venues and right now with baseball, a, a huge chunk uh, uh, going into that, they, they're able to see that, hey, my experience here has been you know 
made in part by the people that came before me and that give back to, you know, paying it forward. And, and that's my obligation as well once I leave here. And uh, so that's that's kind of the what we've got going with the Wildcat Club. But the Alumni Challenge is uh, it's up uh, December 3rd. So if former student athletes out there, hopefully you will uh, take advantage of uh, helping out your sport and, and uh, you know, giving back to your alma mater. You know, you mentioned like 1.7, less than 2% of involvement, and, and that's gone up six, sevenfold since then. So there's an increase in, in support. Are you seeing an increase in, in, and maybe it's hard to track, but does that just coincide with an increase in, in involvement, either seeing them at, at uh, games or, you know, baseball has an alumni event mm-hmm. um, during homecoming or maybe seeing them a little bit more correspondence, either emails or, or you know, just you know, you, generic communication. No doubt, John. We, you know, this past weekend we had a, a basketball uh, reunion, both men and women, and uh, we had, you know, two, we had four four games on Friday and four <laughs> games on Saturday. We played in two of those, of course, and uh, had a great turnout, probably the biggest turnout I've seen in terms of our men's and women's basketball uh, alumni coming back. And, of course, Troy Neely is our, our associate AD for development, and Troy's a, a former Wildcat as well. So uh, he has a good connection with a lot of those guys, and, and of course, Coach Rent as well. And then Randy is really pushing, growing that program. Uh, but those things are critical, yeah. And so we are seeing more people come back, and I think uh, and what it does, when you see those things, positive things happen at your alma mater, it just grows that sense of pride that you have in your alma mater. You don't want to go back to your alma mater and go, gosh, uh, you know, things are really looking shabby and running down and, and, and that that's not something that you're proud to be part of. And uh, I stole it from somebody somewhere along the line is people don't give back to programs that, that need the money. They give programs, they give back to programs that they're proud to be associated with. And, and so that's part of our, our deal is, you know, we've got to grow that pride, uh, you know, of our former student athletes and they got to be proud to be a wildcat and, uh, you know, keep rooting us on, of course, keep supporting us as well so we can continue to, to have success. I think one thing that I think that almost perfectly leads into my next question of you want to be proud of your team and you want to see them have success, uh, which means uh, I think the GNAC as a whole from a from a basketball standpoint, just I think we're a, a dominant force to be reckoned with every year from on a national level. Um, hopefully that means central every year, um, but just the, the league itself um the GNAC right now for football has has four teams and and I know there's um, a heck of a push for some quality scheduling. What does that look like? I mean, it seems like all four teams, while it's a small league, especially with Simon Fraser building that stadium now on their uh, campus, seems like all four teams are all in on football. But how do you how do you make sure the GNAC stays, I guess, competitive and, and relevant? You bet. Well, I, I think one of the things that we did this past year, of course, was uh, develop a scheduling alliance with the Lone Star. Uh, they're an in-region conference, uh, so those things are very important to have those in-region games. And uh, for us, you know, we, we need to fare well in those uh, cross cross-conference games as well. So uh, that's a big part. And I think if you look at volleyball, for instance, we have the the crossover tournament and. Uh, this year we fared all right, uh, but there have been years where we've just been dominant. And, and we got, you know, one year we got five of the eight teams in the region. It really came down to those crossover games at the beginning of the season when we're, you know, playing CCAA schools and Pac West schools uh, because that's the region for volleyball. And when we fare well there, we're going to fare well when it comes regional time. But football is the same thing. And so when we, the, the, 
Northern Sun Conference is a closed conference. Uh, they don't play anybody outside their conference because they got, I think, maybe 14 or 16 teams. And so they actually even have two divisions. Uh, so we're never going to be able to play one of those. But we do have the opportunity to play RMAC schools and uh, the uh, the Lone Star schools. And so when we schedule those, we, we've got we've to perform well and, and do well. Uh, but you're right. We're, I think, all in in terms of the schools in there right now. Great to see what's going on at Simon Fraser with building their new stadium. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge uh, impact for them. And then, of course, their new coach is doing a great job up there, and uh, he, he's really turning that program around. And it's, you know, maybe not resulting in the win column right now, uh, but just the culture of that program is changing. You can definitely see that. Uh, Western Oregon, <clears throat> I, I think, good. You know, they're having a great year this year. Uh, one of the great things there is their presidents on the NCA Presidents Council, mm. and I think any time a president has that opportunity to be involved at that level and see the impact athletics has and uh, knows, you know, kind of the inner workings a little bit more of of, of athletics uh, is an important thing. And Dr. Gardina was on that committee when I first. Uh, came to Central and his his tenure ended uh, one or two years after I arrived. But you just get a better understanding as a president, and you're able to see things through a, maybe a little different lens if you're more from the academic per, uh, background. And that happens, of course, with a lot of presidents. And um, and and we feel that you know athletics is the front porch of the university, and uh, football is a is a big driver, and it's uh, it can carry a season. Uh, I remember being at one of my former institutions and. Uh, had somebody say, boy, athletics has had a, you know, a tough year this year. And I said, yep, um, we had a really tough year in football, but um, volleyball made it to the national tournament. Wrestling made it to, to the national tournament. Men's basketball made it to the national tournament. Women's basketball, uh, you know, doubled their wins from, you know, and all of a sudden, oh, everything, <laughs> we had a pretty dang good year, year in athletics. Football didn't have a good year, and and that's why it's such a high-profile thing, such a driver, and really is the impetus for a lot of things to happen positively. So football is important to, to Central, and, and uh, it's important to our conference, and of course we're always looking at ways to expand. Uh, of course, ideally what we would do right now, I think from a, a GNAC perspective, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the conference commissioner, Dave Haglin, but... Uh, I kind of know where his train of thought is, and right now we have that lone wolf. in In terms of our other sports, we've got uh, you know, eleven schools, and having that odd number uh, always kind of puts you at at a little bit of disadvantage for that that person that doesn't have a travel partner. So the lone wolf, uh, essentially, since we've added Concordia, has been uh, Montana State Billings, and uh, that's a uh, preferably, we would rather have uh, everybody have a travel partner and have a 12-team league or even a 14-team league. Uh, but keeping that even number is important. And then, of course, adding a school of football uh, would probably be our other top priority for sure. And uh, so I know Dave is constantly working on those things. And uh, as we speak, literally, uh, a lot of things are, are, are going on. But uh, those those situations are delicate, too, when you're looking at schools that are maybe making a transition uh, from NAIA or whatever the case may be, D3, uh, D1 dropping uh, dropping down or transitioning, I think they said, to, to D2. Uh, you know, those things are happening around the, uh, around the country. And, and so, uh, but those those negotiations are, are ongoing and something that we're looking at. But I do, I feel great about our conference in terms of the, you know, unfortunately, uh, it's, it's our friends over there in Bellingham that are really doing a great job this fall in terms of soccer and volleyball, uh, you know, ranked high. And, and uh, but that's great for our conference. You know, it, it really is. And 
that means if, if we're in the hunt in our conference, then, then we're, we're getting some national looks, and uh, that's what's happening in you know, some of our sports that we're, we're competing at that level. I guess I can say this because I'm an alumni and I'm not a part of the athletic department, but it is even sweeter when those schools over there with the Western name on it, when they're doing really well and Central goes and beats them. It's a little bit more sweeter. Yes, it is. It really goes good to beat those guys, but it's really good when they're knocked off the top. (laughs) Um, Let's, let's talk into that. I mean, it's been a great fall for, for, you know, not just football, but I mean, we got soccer going to the GNAC tournament, volleyball setting themselves up nicely for a playoff run and, and cross country had a meet in the snow, snow meet down in Billings and, and I, I think the winter sports are looking very promising. It's yeah. the state of athletics at Central right now. It's- yeah, you know, cross country, I think, is, is very young mm-hmm. uh, on, on both sides. But I think we've got a lot of promise there. And uh, uh, so we're, we're looking forward to Coach Atkinson building that program back up. Because uh, uh, last year we had, you know, really a, a good run on the track and field side for sure. And, uh, you know, it's seven All-Americans in the outdoor uh, you know, and a few in the indoor, and then you know, one one in cross country, uh, who also won the Elite Ninety Award, which is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure he's going to get that program uh, ramped up. A lot of youth in there, and they're they're going to look good uh, here in a year or two for sure. Uh, soccer, yeah, it's exciting. They, they getting back to the conference tournament is 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 big, and you know, our expectation really for all of our sports is to be in the upper third of our conference, and that usually is the, the you know the top three uh, for most, and some top four. Uh, so it's nice to see them uh, competing at that level. We got Western opening up tomorrow at four o'clock over at Inner Bay, so that's going to be a really we're going to beat them. Heck at yeah, it, it, we have uh, <laughs> improved every time we played them this year. Mm-hmm. The first one was a, a little rough. Uh, second one, we we really held our own well and and uh, play, played a good match there. Uh, so we're we're excited for that for sure. Um, and then volleyball, as you said, they're you know they have seven straight consecutive regional. Uh, playoff berths and uh, last year we went and went and won their, our first round which was great uh, right now we're sixth in the region and uh, that's that's very exciting and uh, you, you look at our region and, and our conference itself is very very competitive within the region and uh, that bodes well for us we we've got our our Oregon swing this this weekend uh, Concordia and Western Oregon and then finish up with uh, Simon Fraser and Western at home and which is going to be a uh, a, a big one. So if we can stay in that, uh, you know, top eight qualify, um, but we'd lo- rather be, uh, you know, keep kind of where we're at right now, or even a little bit higher would be great. But dropping down to seven or eight would be tough if, if there's not a Pac West school because they get an AQ, their conference champion right now. They're nine and ten, uh, so uh, that could uh, push one of those people out. And then uh, football, of course, you know, they got an opportunity to to go up to Simon Fraser this weekend and. Uh, if they take care of business there, then then we're uh, co-conference champions with uh, with uh, Western Oregon this year, and uh, uh, I think beating Western Oregon down there at on their home field at, on homecoming uh, was kind of that moral victory for us a little bit in terms of really uh, you know avenging that loss, which was was important, but also uh, a, a little bit of how we how that we came back and battled and scratched through through getting that one in, in OT, and uh, that's a uh, that's an exciting one for us, and, and we uh, we definitely are excited for Saturday. So uh, really happy with the, the progress of, of our football program, and we played a very, very tough uh, conference or schedule this year uh, to, to get that strength of schedule up, and um, you know we're, we're excited with Coach Fisk and the direction he's taking the program for sure. You know, I'm kind of a Division II sports kind of fanatic, nutcase maybe you, would, you could mm-hmm. say. 
Uh, I'm not asking you to agree with that. <laughs> but, um, you know, you talk about that that schedule. So, you know, Ferris State ranked number two in the nation all year long, Division two runner-up last year, opened the season at, you know, I'm still going to say D1AA uh, Idaho. Um, given the fact that the GNAC has so much space on their football schedule, I mean, so many spots to fill, it seems like, is it one of those, is it kind of, I don't want to say mandatory, but do you need to schedule those upper level games to to help fill the schedule or, or fund the budget? Or is it just a matter of just finding RMAC or NSIC or, you know, LSC teams to yeah. schedule? You know, it's kind of threefold for us, John. It, number one, uh, I, I really feel that our student athletes love playing up. You know, they, they love it when they know they've got a chance to go and, you know, compete to that school that may have, you know, uh, not paid attention to them, you know, hey, I'll give you a walk-on offer or whatever it is. So just kind of, you know, prove themselves a little bit. So I think that's great. And, of course, our basketball team uh, went over to Idaho and, 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 and beat them this year. And, you know, whenever you can beat a D1 school, I don't care if it's FCS, FBS, uh, th- those are exciting. So that's big. So I think that's part of it is, is, you know, I think our kids really enjoy it. And it's part of the recruiting is, yeah, we're going to play an FCS school usually once, uh, once per season. Uh, the, the second thing is, is yeah, we definitely, we have you know, 11 games to schedule and six of them are conference. And now with the new scheduling alliance, things change, but we had already filled basically our schedule prior to getting into the alliance. We had a couple games that we were able to fill in there. Uh, but uh, that, that's a big part of it. So trying to fill that schedule. And then finally, when you're looking at, you know, doing the types of travel that we do at the division two level for football, which is our conference, you know, travels and gets in a plane more than any other conference in the nation by far. And, uh, you know, this trip this past weekend that uh, Southwest Baptist came out, uh, that, that's the only plane trip that probably most of those kids will ever take during their four-year career uh, at Southwest Baptist. And and that wouldn't be uncommon for the vast, vast majority, probably 90-plus percent never step into a, a plane to travel for an away game. So that's part of that student-athlete experience, which is pretty exciting. And uh, our basketball and volleyball players get to go to Alaska every year, and, uh, you know, they probably don't realize how lucky they are to actually have that opportunity. And, uh, you know, it might be a long trip, whatever, but uh, it's pretty cool being able to do that. They're probably going to go to Hawaii once during their career. So a, a lot of great things. But uh, definitely for us, uh, you know, in order to help fund those things and we're, you know, doing those uh, air, air trips, uh, we, we've got to bring in more revenue. And so one of those guarantee games per year is ideally kind of where we would like to be because it, you know, we need to walk home with, you know, uh, enough money to, to offset one of our other away games. And unfortunately with our scheduling, I've got one game to, to fill yet in 21. It's week two. Uh, I'm pretty confident we can get a, get a game there. We got five home games right now in 21. Uh, but it would be great to get a, a, a another home game, uh, which would be would be nice. Uh, but it would also be great to go out and, and uh, play up and, and uh, get a check and an opportunity for our kids to go have some fun at, uh, at the D1 level. But next year, we uh, uh, unfortunately only have four home games. And mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of how that scheduling worked out prior to us forming the, the Lone Star. Uh, but I knew I wasn't going to be caught uh, off guard a little bit trying to get those games wrapped up. So 
getting that two-year contract with Ferris. Uh, we're going to go to Northern Michigan as well. We got a home and home with Northern Michigan, uh, and then we got Midwestern State as part of our uh, alliance uh, scheduling alliance next year. So we're, we got four four air, air, airplane trips next year, and uh, that's uh, like I said, probably four more than vast majority of, of uh, football student athletes get during their time, but. Uh, I, I'm confident our student athletes are going to, you know, represent us well and, and, and travel well. Our, our kids, I gotten a number of emails this year, ironically, from uh, people that have been on flights with our student athletes, and, and uh, they've all been very positive, which is, which is great. Speaks to, a lot to our coaching staff and, and our student athletes, of course. I mean, so is it just really <clears throat> just as far as scheduling those kind of tough games? I mean, you know, obviously the GNAC doesn't give – you know, winning the GNAC doesn't give you a – a birth of the playoffs. I mean, is it just super important to schedule those tougher games just to give yourself a shot to you, you bet. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of it, Luke, uh, last year, um, uh, you know, we, we didn't take care of business in a couple games. Of course, the West Texas game, the Azusa game, um, you know, if we beat Azusa at the end of the year, it still would have been a stretch just because of our strength of schedule. So I think uh, of our victories last year, uh, I think six, maybe seven were ended up being teams that were below 500. And uh, so the strength of schedule is something that the RAC looks at, the ranking uh, committee, um, regional advisory committee, I think is what we're called. Uh, so that is, that's very important. They'll look at strength of schedule. They'll look at your D2 in-region uh, record, D2 out-of-region record, uh, a lot of different factors in there. And, um, you know, the, the D1 games don't count against you, don't, you know, aren't, aren't in favor. Uh, but I have a hard time believing that if, you know, you beat a D one school that those, uh, uh, that committee isn't kind of a little something in the back of their mind going, okay, they're pretty good. Yeah. They dropped one to here, here, but, uh, they went and knocked off a, a team of 63 scholarships, which is, which is a lot, but, uh, yeah, those, those are the things that we, uh, uh, you know, definitely, uh, need to, to com- you know, put together a schedule that, that gives us a shot when you know, it's that little bit of differentiator uh, when you're making that decision from a, from a ranking committee standpoint. And uh, that, that's important to us. So this year we did. We went out and, you know, scheduled a pretty tough conference or non-conference schedule. I think you look at uh, uh, West Texas, they're probably going to have a, a winning season. Uh, Ferris State, you know, you know, could be a national champion uh, this year. Who knows? They're, they're playing some great ball. And then, uh, you know, with uh, – uh, some of our, our, our in some of the in conference schools, you know, Azusa is not having a great year, which is an anomaly for them. Western's up this year, uh, which is great. They, I think, last year when they dropped their last game uh, of the season, that dropped them below 500. So uh, we want schools in, in our conference to be tough, and, and we need to have a, a, a tough non conference schedule as well. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's kind of frustrating for just, you know, even Central, you know, they kind of slow start but now they really you know they beat western oregon now, you know you have a chance to get a third gnac title but it's like you know the conference you know they'll share it but they don't you know it doesn't give them anything other than you know the, the title yep. you think that's kind of frustrating even for all the coaches oh no doubt no doubt that's uh that's a frustrating thing and that's kind of the you know what division two the regionalization the regional model kind of you know forms a little bit of that and and um you know there's a lot of talk about you know is this the the best model and and things and uh you know from a cost perspective i understand where the ncaa is coming from in terms of regionalization but i think this year and correct me if i'm wrong i I might be but uh i know i'm pretty sure it's going into effect that uh you know number one is is get a gets a buy number two three and four are going to host 
but I think they, in terms of location of those schools in five, six, seven, they might line you up with an out of region game. And I'm pretty sure that passed. I didn't get so much legislation, I'm getting them probably mixed up, but I'm pretty sure that passed. And uh, so you could play an out of region, out of region game. And if it didn't go into this year, it's gonna be next year. Uh, but you can play an out of region game if you're number six, number seven. Uh, you you might end up going to to play in in a in a Midwest region or whatever region three or region four because they were looking at some of those and uh, looking at the logistics of maybe a Northern Sun school compared to a you know all of a sudden we're going to ship them way out to way down to Texas or ship them to uh, out to the you know California or wherever you know out to the West Coast uh, compared to uh, literally probably a bus ride over to a, a Great Lakes, a GLIAC school or a G GLVC school. So that's uh, really interesting, or a, is it GLIAC and GIAC, or <laughs> Great Lakes, and the uh, there's the other one that, that actually is. Great is, Lakes, the, the GLIAC, the Grand Valley and Fair State yeah. League, uh, NSIC, I mean, those are all bus trips, yeah. long bus trips with cheaper and Exactly, flights. yeah, so that's, that's why the NCAA is kind of looking at that and and uh, uh, you know, because they're 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 paying the freight for those things. So when they when you qualify, they pay for that travel, and all of a sudden they're putting somebody you know team on a plane and flying them down to Texas when there's another team that's you know maybe five hours away that's in in Michigan. Uh, the other one too, the Southwest Baptist that conference, uh, forgetting the GIAC, Great Lakes Valley Conference, or. Well, that's, I don't know. They yeah. all begin with GL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but so that that's it's an interesting thing, and and um, and then it will kind of prove you know how deep your your region is too, because I, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but uh, I, I look at some of those those schools and you know the in the Upper East and things, and I, I think there are you know some schools that you know are getting in that you know probably wouldn't stand a chance against you know number seven. Uh, number six or seven in some of these other regions, but just because they're winning their conference, basically, right? Or, uh, yeah. Could could be that, yeah. just n not as you know tough a football, whatever the case may be. But you know, there's great teams everywhere. Believe yeah. you me. Well, I think that wraps things up for this week's guest of the week and interview part. Brought to you by Fitters Furniture, and I know as a, a Central Washington Athletics alumni, baseball, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see how things are going at the athletic department, and that's uh, a lot of work to you and doing that and. And thank you, and we appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure. Great having me. Thank you. We'll be right back with our Picks of the Week. Actually, before we get into the Picks of the Week, uh, we are going to get into our scoreboard first and talk about all the local teams getting ready for the state playoffs and, and the central teams getting ready for the playoffs. Kittitas Valley Sports Talk would like to take a moment and ask that you check out our Facebook and Twitter page at Kittitas Valley Sports Talk. Also check out our podcasts on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, along with the Anchor app. Just search for Kittitas Valley Sports Talk. Well, we're going to move into our scoreboard section of this of this episode brought to you by Fitter's Furniture. Guys, uh, we, like I said, we had a, you know, our fall season's over, or is winding down, but we got some teams here in the playoffs. Uh, Kittitas Volleyball. Heads to the Sun Dome down in Yakima. They take on Northwest Christian Colbert at 11.45 a.m. on Thursday. It's a Thursday-Friday state tournament. Um, what? Let's go Yotes, man. What, what's going to be need to be one of the big things that has to happen uh, for the Coyotes to have success here at the state tournament? 
you know, I know that we've had a couple of uh, hiccups there at state, but I don't know if I want to call those hiccups. I mean, when you're at state, generally speaking, you're going up against the top 16 teams in the state. And so, um, and tons of, tons of West side programs have, you know, year round volleyball or, or ladies who just might um, specialize in that. The fact that we're there year after year after year, that's feather in their cap. I just want to win. Mm-hmm. Just got to get it done. First match is on uh, 11.45 in the morning on mm-hmm. Thursday, correct? Thursday, yep. Well, it's Thursday, Friday, because they got some teams that can't play on Saturdays in the state tournament. That's right. That's They're right. Wall Wall Valley Academy, Seventh-day Adventist. That's right. And so they can't When play. we talk about, like, and I just mentioned West Side teams, of course, mm-hmm. our first team is Northwest Spokane. Christian Colbert, which is just north of uh, Spokane, mm-hmm. so... Well, that's um, a traditionally strong. Their softball team has won state a few times lately, yep. and I guess in, when you go to small schools and B schools, that if their athletic programs are all winning, it means all the athletes are playing three sports, and I'm sure that's going to be a tough competition. But they had a screwy thing about the the where, where they ended up with their seedings. They were, I think they're the fifth seed out of our district, so they're going to get a number one, I believe. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. it's not number one; it's number two. But, but something tells me, like, hey, it, that's a good thing because you get the guys out early in the first couple of rounds, and you never know. I quote the famous Al Davis when I say, "Just win, baby." That's all you got to do. Ellensburg volleyball, and I believe we started to hashtag pack the Nick on this one. They have qualified. Pack the path. Why don't pack we say the pack the path? Path. Every that's a good one. Pack the path. I'll post that with this episode. Okay, pack the path. Uh, they play North Kitsap at 8 a.m. at Central Washington University. Uh, they run two courts, I understand, at CWU. And someone was telling me that it is actually a really great venue to watch a state volleyball tournament there at Central. Well, and uh, for those uh, Central fans, or pardon me, those Ellensburg fans, hey. I will remind you that uh, Central Washington is a short drive. I think we're talking uh, three to ten minutes, depending couple, on where you're at in this valley. Maybe a quick walk. The pavilion should be absolutely packed, and uh, so um, and the volleyball team, nothing against North Kitsap. Volleyball team is stacked, and they are jacked up and ready to go. Basically, a home match yeah. for the entire weekend. I don't want to say that guarantees anything, but that definitely guarantees that uh, we're going to get um, more fans in the stands and. Dang near anybody. Oh, I, uh, I'm assuming the only person that's going to rival or the only team that will rival us will be Sela in terms of the amount of fans in the stands. We need to look at the bracket. Can those two meet up in the championship game potentially? Do you guys know? I don't. I am unaware of that. I'm not at liberty to tell you. It's a We've got a nice little Google here that's going to tell us here in a minute. But um, I guess, Luke, you said you're going to be there. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. 8 a.m. It's a little early, but... Should be a <laughs> should be. A will good Central one. have the press box set up with their snacks and cookies? On yeah, them? I hope so. Okay, I'll, we'll talk to you know Dennis. Yeah. When you got to go. yeah. They are on the opposite sides of the bracket. Uh, Central's North Kitsap. If they win, they'll play the winner of Tumwater Five. Also have Columbia River, White River, Cheney, and Burlington Edison on their side of the bracket. So, hey, a, a successful volleyball program that it's, it's an opportunity to go uh, bring home some pretty big hardware. I'd say, and a great spot to do it at home. Yeah. For at home. Crown. home. Yeah, eight eight seniors, so it could be if they went if they're playing the state title, I will be there. Maybe we'll do yeah. a pregame show. Huh? Yeah. Live I'll call Facebook in for that live? one. I've got a little bit of family reunion, so I will be watching important. the <laughs> live important. Uh, stats, but uh 
I don't know if I can convince my family to do the reunion at Nicholson <laughs> Pavilion, but I'm going to try. That'll be dedication. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Cleom Soccer's had a very successful season so far. They did. They played Lakeside. We're recording this part on Tuesday uh, evening. And unfortunately, guys, we got an up or update that they have lost to Lakeside. Luke, you got a little bit of a. Uh, yeah, I, they lost 8 3. I'm pretty sure that uh, ends the season. Um, don't have any details as far as who scored. But yeah, I think Grace Terrell just comes short of the the scoring record in the state, but oh, what a great career anyways. I mean, she scored a lot of goals this year, right? Two thirds of them, of their teams. And she's had an Eastern, correct? Eastern. Yep. And I think she'll, she'll be playing, you know, playing a lot. So D one talent, um, you know, we'll see her in the basketball court as well. Yeah. She'll play um, softball too. So. She's just an, just an, an incredible talent. Nothing mm-hmm. against anybody else on that team. I mean, it's a, an entire team of 11 on the, on the field at one time. Mm-hmm. And of course, but I'm just going to miss Grace Squared. Absolutely. Grace Terrell. Grace, Grace Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. She's going to Central. So, hey, yeah. you got that. Yeah. That'll, be a, that'll be fun to keep up on that. And, yep. Yeah. And she was really, she had a great year too. She, at one point, uh, not too long ago, she was leading the state in assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's handed a lot of assists to Terrell. So. Yeah. I just think that just shows the kind of talent uh, that even little old Cleelan will have. And, uh, you know, so she didn't get the all time state record, Grace Terrell. But I mean, she'll go down in history as at this point the number, probably number two scorer of all time yeah. in Washington State history. That's uh, pretty that's, the best. That's pretty impressive. Best soccer player out of the valley here, for sure. Yeah, and there's been some good ones. Yeah, yeah. and I think soccer's rising our state. I mean, heck, we just saw the Sounders win a yeah championship cool in there. Yeah. You know, and and I might have been coaching the the uh, next uh, <laughs> next group of talent. I mean. Let, let me just take this moment to pat myself on the back, if I can. Uh, uh, I was a um, an incredible rah-rah coach. Uh, didn't bring much in terms of skill and strategy to my game plans, but uh, nobody can high-five me. Uh, nobody can out-high-five me. And uh, so maybe mm-hmm. I coached yeah. the next uh, Grace Terrell, right. the next Grace Jackson. Is the season over? What's that? Season over for you guys? Uh, season over. If 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 I know my players well, and I think I do, the season still lives in their heart. But uh, the actual competition on the field is is uh, completed. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's always next year to to build on that future our, success. Our team name. If I again, I'm just kind of going off on a tangent here. I, mm-hmm. I acknowledge that, but uh, you know, first things first is figuring out the team name. Right, and we couldn't figure out one. But uh, um, Coach Mal, a central guy himself, he was wearing, yeah, Coach he was wearing a Cobra Kai t-shirt from back in the uh, Karate Kid days. <laughs> and boom, that was it. I love and it. So we were the Cobra Kais. And every time, you know, when you do team chants and the opposing team asks, what's your team name? We'd be like Cobra Kai. And we get a little bit of a, like, really? Like, you know, the coaches that are our age, you know. They know. And, you know, I've... Uh, I'm not sure how old I am, but I'm, you know, I'm in playoff shape still. So what you're saying is if anybody knows who Mel Steuben is, you walk past him in public, you high five him and yell, Cobra Kai. That's right. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Uh, Coach Mel, I don't know if you're listening to this. If you're not, you will be. Uh, But you're going to get some random high fives for the rest of the week. We will post his picture online. Coach John. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry, but that's a long-winded way of saying Gray Squared and Cleelum had a great great year. Great career. Great careers. Great careers. Yeah. Great fun careers, to follow definitely. you guys, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's not just Cleon Rosin soccer. 
Ellensburg soccer hey, as well. And I believe they've kicked off in about 45 minutes from right. the time of recording. They are at White River High School playing White River, the Hornets. I believe my wife's sitting in the lobby of Big Country Studios if I was uh, way the door shut when Ellie walked in probably. But uh, um, she is actually a White River alumni. If you guys are not there right now, what a beautiful setting. I know we don't want to give our opponents too much props, but if you have a, a golf cart to get out to the field because there's a heck of a walk to get to the stadium, it's beautiful out there. And let's hope that Ellensburg Bulldogs give uh, White River a run for their money tonight. I think so. White, White River – their women's program in terms of soccer and women's basketball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, it just seems like they reload every year. So what well, heck of an opening round opponent. It's a very cool area in the fact that they support their team. They're yeah. very supportive. Even the Enumclaw right there. And, and I know Ellensburg's very supportive and they're going to have a good following down there too, I believe. And hope it's staying dry and not raining over there. Um, we might be able to have scores on that later on updates, but uh, let's go high school football. Cleon snaps a losing streak. I believe a two year losing streak. If I'm correct. Yeah. They yeah. beat Wapato two a Wapato 20 to 12 guys. What a way to end your season. Good job. Um, can we also, um, I'm going to just speak for myself. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Who called it this in our last week's picks. This guy, <laughs> Hey, my hat's off to the warriors. That's mm-hmm. a good way. I mean, Obviously, there that's only one win out of ten games, but um, it's a good way to end the season. You end the season with an exclamation point, and uh, um, congrats to the Warriors. Yeah, hopefully they build on this. Hopefully they get in the weight room, get bigger, stronger, faster. And I hope so. Good and actually, them. I don't know if this is true or not, but the rumors of how the classifications are going to realign, and hopefully uh, they might even be in a 2B league next year. You know what? I'm that's sure there's somebody who could tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I've been told uh, in some years, Cleveland has just opted up. They've been uh-huh. a B school, but they've opted up just due to yeah. travel. Because why would you want to travel all the way to Oroville or to Nascot on regular game days on like a Tuesday? It's but there's going to be a pretty local league, I understand. Because there's a bunch of 1A schools coming down because of the free and reduced lunch thing. Lower Valley on. teams, Yakima Valley teams. So we're going to see a couple of them. Here's why I'm getting excited. Because whether we play this at home fields or at Central Washington University, Guys, the Timothy Cup could be a real thing next year because Kittitas, Cleom in the same league, we could do a live broadcast from there next yeah. fall. May, if it happens, I don't know. Next fall. Yeah, we ain't doing it now. But not over. next spring because one of our podcasts. Did I say spring? What's that? Did I say spring? No, you said next fall. Okay, good. But I'm also saying we can't do a live broadcast from the dugout because you, sir, will <laughs> be in the dugout. Are kind of leading the show. Yeah, yeah, they'd be frowned upon with my boss, Austin Brothers. Right. If I'm doing well, a podcast. No, they don't, MLB, they do like in, in game, game interviews. Maybe we'll get some in going. game interview. We'll talk to our sponsor about getting ourselves some in game headsets. Sponsor <laughs> and then sponsors, as in let's bring more sponsors hey, in. We got a couple more openings, I believe. Speaking of Kittitas, unfortunately, they lost to Tenasket 35 to 7, but at halftime, didn't you say it was 14 to 7? You know, I was there at the game. Uh, totally worth the trip. Um, what, first things first, great drive. You were just driving through God's country for three straight thing. years. I love it. Um, got to do that with the entire family, my three girls. And, uh, you know, we we came out, we punched them in the mouth, scored. Um, I believe it was on our first drive, held them, then went and uh, drove again and, and uh, missed a field goal. Uh, had the distance by at least 10 yards, but missed a field goal wide left and um, just kind of the, the wheels fell off a little bit there, but I was, I was proud of the team, um, to they're not ranked in the top 10, but they, 
beat one of the top 10 teams in the state, Columbia Burbank, earlier in the season, and uh, um, which we'll get to in a second. I got a point here that, to make, but great uh, ball game. Uh, I'm not a coach, so I can say this. I'm not a player, so I can say this. I think the refs might have been Tenasket School District employees. I believe one Pat Fitter said you get that when you go up there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we won't get fined. A few fine. of the players <laughs> on Tenasca's team said thanks, Uncle Dan, because I'll see you at the family reunion tomorrow. Yeah, kind of thing. So that's too. Uh, bad. In all seriousness, no, uh, Tenasca, a good team. Uh, the Kittitas had a heck of a way to end the season, going three, you know, a three-game win streak to earn the right to get to that uh, crossover game. And uh, I'm just thrilled that we punched in the mouth first and. And uh, really played a heck of a ball game until about the mid third quarter when when we started getting a little bit tired. Well, six of the losses were from top ten teams. That was a tough schedule. Yeah, so I mean, they lose to Columbia Burbank, lose to Tri Cities Prep, lose to Asotin. Um, all three of those teams were ranked in the top uh, ten. Tenasket is a state qualifying mm-hmm. team. Uh, Columbia Burbank got upset by Mabton on Friday. I had a um, second look at that one. What yeah yeah I had to I did a double check or or a double take on that because we skunked Mapton eighteen to zero mm-hmm. and Mapton must have just had the game of the century to beat Columbia Burbank because I think I believe Burbank was like fifth in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that goes to show Coach Hutch had that team rolling coming in the year. They had them buying in. They were starting to win a couple games. And, yeah, and that's a props to the coaching staff out there because and the player and the players you know it's not players as well, but, but <clears throat> they could have folded. You know what's the cliche? You could have folded up the tents, right? We were zero and five. And uh, in today's world of work, it's, it's easier to quit than fight through it. They fought through it, and, and that was awesome. Yep. Let's move on. Ellensburg didn't play last week, but they take on the first round of state playoffs. They have to go to Hawkinson in Brush Perry, Washington, which I think it's south of I-5, somewhere down there in Vancouver area. I believe let's talk to our West Side recorder, reporter here, uh, Luke. <laughs> but uh, Hawkinson's 9-1. and one. Their only loss in the season is the Archbishop Murphy. It should be a good test. I think Ellensburg's record's not accurate to the skill of that team. Yeah, yeah, they played a lot of top teams, and you know who always makes a comment on is Jeff Place. Jeff Place has a lot of maybe a future res- interview in here. Yeah, he has a lot of respect for Ellensburg, and I can see why. You know, they had to play. They gave Royal the best battle, I think, this this season. Royal, definitely, just, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, but it'll be a good challenge. I mean, Hawkinson's a good school. They're out. They're without its top receiver, um, which is Cannon Reconelli, the backup quarterback at Central's brother. Um, he's a UW commit oh. towards ACL, but I still think they still got a pretty good squad even without he's him. He's a UW commit? He's UW. So, so they got two legitimate college players, a UW commit and then Cannon here at Central. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's his amazing. brother. Yeah. I guess Cannon's senior year, he was in his younger brother's a sophomore. They had like, they connected for like all the touchdowns. So. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would, yeah. be, awesome. that would be fun. So we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully they can get a win. Well, let's go down there and, and get a first-round state playoff bit win. And we're going to talk about it on our picks here in a few minutes, but I can tell you what I'm going to go with. Absolutely. There you go. Got to get them back here for a home game. Uh, we'll move on to the, the college ranks, Central Washington University women's soccer. Guys, they had their – we told them last week about the point system and the standings, and they got their win on uh, – I believe it was Thursday. Yep. And then, unfortunately, they went down. They lost uh, Western Oregon, I believe it was, on Saturday. So they're the fourth seed going into the GNAC tournament. I should have done my research better. I don't think they've been there recently, have they? 
you know, they got, uh, there was a few years where, um, they were, they were left out, but actually the last couple of years they've been, right there. uh, definitely more competitive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we've talked about it before we, uh, hit record on this podcast, but, uh, coach Farron is, and, uh, and crew one, he's a heck of a personality, Oh man, uh, obviously love soccer. And, and I think they're trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to the GNAC tournament. They open up with number one GNAC seed, Western Washington University. They play at 4 p.m. SPU. That's, ah, man. What's anything with Western in it? What does that mean to you? We hate them. Voldemort. That's that's Voldemort. For Harry Potter fans, that's Voldemort. For uh, who's um, worse, Washington or Oregon? Western. Which which one is? I hate Western more than any of those schools. Western. That was a bold statement. But <laughs> when Washington, I say Western, I mean Western Washington. Um, but Western Oregon baseball, my my counterpart here to my right would also say he strongly dislikes Western Oregon Absolutely. baseball. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, enough to where you know we used to be. If you see a UW fan, we might have a Cougar flag sticking out the window. I carry a Central stuff with me in case I have to tell a Western Washington Viking what, what's right. going on. Of course, you got it. Um, so uh, if you will see so many Facebook posts from the kids, Valley Sports Talk, if we win that game on. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, Central playing Western. It's at SPU. Um, it's a close enough game for our we- our, our West Side fans mm-hmm. to get to. Yes. Um, and let's remember, we lost to Western by one uh, just games. a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. uh, here at home. And so, uh, I, I don't want to say they they can be easily defeated, but we hung with them and we're there till the final buzzer. So and no, who knows? Fair, and there ain't going to be a lack of motivation to go win that game. That's for sure. Hey, Central Football Saturday, we were we were there. Uh, Gudat and I were. Luke was covering the cross-country state title. Um, <clears throat> we beat Southwest Baptist 72-17. to 17. It was close until the opening kickoff. It was, <laughs> and then it was like, well, good luck, guys. Um, I think the highlight of that game for me was Ellie saying, oh. whoa. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like we talked about earlier, but. I guess the one big highlight, and I wish I had the guy's name, but the the interception in the first quarter where he went up over top of receiver and basically picked it out from like, oh, I'll take this out of the yep. basket kind of a deal. A very athletic play. Uh, Central just dominates that game. You know, it, that was incredibly athletic. I can see it in my head. I The jersey number is escaping me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, just a dominating effort i don't want to call the game boring i'm not calling the game boring but it was never in doubt right. and uh i i stayed till the end because you know the team needed me yeah, that's but, why they uh, um but it, the good thing about those games is you know lots of reserves played and uh so i'm just absolutely thrilled that we got some um experience for you know second and third stringers i i we're going to talk about it a little bit in our picks here but mm-hmm. i i believe we're going to see that again when we're Traveling up to Burnaby, British yep. Columbia. Big game. We Big. beat them pretty good here, but we got – there's been a few times Central's gone up there for a GNAC title win. Shh, don't say – why do you have to bring up the bad past? Knock, on, Knock wood. on wood. I was reminded by one Central football alumni, Frank Reno. Frank Reno. A name drop. Big names there. Yep. Because uh, there was a big alumni, Central football alumni, in the parking lot when I was walking through. And it was a bunch of – Mike Reno, his son, the kid, task guy. He was a stud. Wore number was it? I believe forty four, right? He Mike Reno wore forty four, mm-hmm. and dare I say it, the last time I saw a picture of Mike Reno, that guy looks legitimately like he is in playoff shape. I 100%. joke about that all the time. Well, he, he really is. <laughs> um, and 
So, but you know, they remind me of that, and and saw Louis Bracetta there as well. Louis I mean, was there, a, local. He said he kid. listens to the podcast too, even though well, he's living. Thank you, Louis. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, I believe nobody got lost or in a jail that night, so I was good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the alumni reunion. But uh, and then I left because I had to leave when it was a. I think it was when the score was pretty close, and I think I walked out at seventy-one to seventeen, and had to go feed the cows, which yep. is showing my yep. roots a little bit. But uh, I pulled up the phone, and man, we were inches away from Azusa Pacific knocking off Western Oregon. Western Oregon blocked the field goal to win the game uh, for the chance of Central to have the GNAC title by themselves. But a win in in Canada this Friday, Saturday, Central's co-GNAC champs, the way the season started off, I'd say that's a pretty good solid end of the year. I think so, too. Um, It just, you know, co-GNAC champs is better than nothing. And, uh, you know, we talked about... uh, Luke, we talked about how you weren't there uh, to witness that uh, shellacking, shall we say. Yes. Uh, you were on a golf course, but you weren't playing golf. That's right, yeah. Uh, Ellensburg Cross Country. Uh, I figured that was a good decision to make on my part. Um, I mm-hmm. figured Central would kind yes. of drub. Uh, well, you had two pretty experienced reporters at the Central football yeah. game. Well, so thank I, got, you, I still got no content out of it. But, <laughs> um, you did. Yeah, got Ellensburg, <laughs> Ellensburg Cross Country, that was really fun. Uh I figured uh, they'd do really well. Um, the girls were ranked number one in the uh, coaches' poll. Um, boys were third or f- fourth or fifth. I can't remember. They were up there. And, uh, and then, obviously, Leah Holmgren is one of the best runners in the state. And uh, it turned out it was uh, it was worth the trip. Uh, Leah Holmgren, you know, won by two seconds and individually, and she led, uh, led the girls to their first state title in uh, school history. Um and it was pretty cool. I, uh, and the boys did place third. Patrick Ad- Adkison got his first top 10 finish, placed ninth. Uh, but yeah, it made me appreciate the appreciate the sport of cross country a lot more. Um, I've re- covered them a lot more this season. Um, I mean, la- well, I got hired last season, pretty much hired last year right in the middle of their season. But this was my first year to really kind of really give them some deep coverage and it was fun. It was really fun. And I got a couple stories out of it. You know, I, I had a really cool one being able to do one, you know, all the runners had Ryan Thompson's badge number with the heart and the blue line across it. And, you know, one of Ryan Thompson's daughters, Madison Thompson was running on the team and it was really cool to kind of how they were paying tribute to him and uh, kind of showing support to Madison. So I'm, I'm, ble- I'm thankful that I was able to you know, I, I, I saw, <clears throat> I saw that article and, uh, you know, I know we joke around a lot on this podcast and we should, but I'm not going to lie to you. That kind of got to me. You, you quoted her, um, uh, Thompson talking about how, uh, um, the only thing she knew what to do, or one of the few things that she knew what to do was just go to her team and run and, uh, coming from a, I mean, we're all sports guys here. And, uh, I mean, and I think the term family is used kind of a cliche it might be overused but uh, i mean that's the perfect proof or definition of of family when you can rely on your teammates i just want to go run it's i i just kind of never want to say that i totally understand what she's saying or i've been in her shoes because i'm i'm not um but i it was a good it was a good article and i'm it those are good words to say and and uh, i saw the the picture that was there with the with his badge number and the, and, uh, the heart with the blue stripe or, and, uh, so that was, that was awesome. And then just the race itself, uh, I can see that finish line, you know, a slight decline or downhill 
into the finish line and and a great picture of Leah crossing the line first and the Ellensburg girls team not crumbling with the expectations that are on their shoulders and the boys placing third and when they were ranked fourth or fifth. So um, just a great, great weekend of cross country for uh, the local uh, Bulldogs. Yeah, it was, it was super cool. And, uh, you know, I was sitting, you know, I had to take photos and I was just kind of waiting for them to come down the hill. And it was really cool when you just saw Leah and it was just her. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple seconds later, the other girl came. But the right there, you knew that she was, you know, it yep. was hers to to win. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Leah's the one that brought even brought up the Ryan Thompson thing. You know, I asked her what was different about this team this year to, you know, be able to take home the team title. And that was the first thing she brought up, you know, like, you know, how they dealt with tragedy with, tragedy with, uh, with uh, Madison Thompson's father passing away. And that kind of gave me the idea. And. And Maddie was, you know, up to talk about it. And that's pretty strong of her to, you know, be open to talk about that. And, but yeah, it was really, really cool how the boys and girls, you know, all were supporting the, you know, her father and all that. I think the saying that keeps coming to my mind is it's bigger than sports. And yep. What cool experiences you have because of sports and being a part of a team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, this wraps up this part of the podcast, the scoreboard brought to you by Fitters Furniture. We will be back here shortly with our picks of the week. Uh, I know that I've been slacking off. I think Luke's probably doing pretty solid here, but let's see how this thing wraps up. He is. We don't have to talk about it, but uh, I'm I'm interested to uh, see Dennis or hear, pardon me, Dennis's picks and Mm -hmm. his mentality behind it. I already know who he's going to pick with Wildcats and and the clan of Simon Fraser, but I'd like to get his opinion on some other stuff. We're going to challenge him. We're going to hold his feet to the fire. That's right. Uh, well, at least you and I can both say that we kicked Luke's buck we, we, or week one. So, yeah. I think, week I, one. I, think I had sure. a bad week. I actually think. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Maybe two losses. <laughs> All right, fans. We'll be right back. So now uh, we're getting into our last uh, segment with our picks. Uh, looks like I had a pretty good week again, as always. Five and two. <laughs> you had a bad first one, Luke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John and Eric both went four and three, and then Pat Fitterer went five and two. Um, the guest picks are still doing pretty good. They're 36 and 16. Uh, I'm 42 and 21. Eric's 35 and 28, and John is 37 and 26. I had another typical good week. Is that what you basically <laughs> said? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. So, first pick, uh, we have Ellensburg got a week off. Ellensburg football got a they're heading to Hawkinson, uh, Hawkinson High School, uh, for the first round of state. Hawkinson's number four, Ellensburg's number thirteen. Um, it's gonna be a tough one. Hawkinson's, I think, believe the number two ranked team in two A. Um, I believe they're without. Uh, they're a really good wide receiver. That's actually Cannon Reconelli's brother. Uh, his, yeah, his brother is going to UW, wide receiver. But I think he's out. But um, who do you got, John? You know. I like Hawkinson because they got a great program. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Racanelli family. We've benefited from that here as a central guy. But I can't pick against my dogs. Let's remember the dogs upset um, Pullman and West Valley last year in state. And I hope to see them do it again. Dogs in an upset. We only go look or look. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know how the health status of Ryan Ferguson. I know he got hurt two weeks ago. Um, Hawkinson's really good, and I, I think they they 
they have a pretty good passing offense, and I think that's when Ellensburg's kind of been struggling this year uh, when the when a team passes pretty good. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Hawkinson. My heart will be rooting for the Bulldogs on Saturday or Friday, whatever day they play. But I need to gain some ground, so I'm gonna pick Hawkinson. Unfortunately. All right. Well, uh, that leaves me. I, <laughs> you know, I, I don't get to watch too much uh, high school football, but. Uh, I know the Racanelli connection uh, was, was huge, and that's when uh, uh, Cannon had an unbelievable year, and I think most of the passes went to his brother. So if his brother's out, uh, you know, I too, I'm, I want to be a hometown fan here, and I'm going to go with Ellensburg. Nice. Okay. Uh, now we got to get into college football. Uh, Central football's last game of the season, an opportunity to – Get another GNAC title for the third consecutive year. Uh, they'll be sharing it with Western Oregon if they do win, and they're heading down or heading up north to Canada, and they will be playing Simon Fraser. Um, not only am I picking the Wildcats, <laughs> but I'm going to go out on the limb and say our guest this week will also pick the Wildcats. But I'm going to say <laughs> Central in a route. I'm going to say Central by 38. Ooh, nice okay. bummer. I'll take Central as well. So I'm we going yeah. Wildcats big in this one. Yeah, you probably already know my answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely Wildcats. Yeah. Um, we got uh, Wazoo. Um, they're hosting Stanford. Wazoo's kind of been on a tough tough train last couple weeks, or the whole year, actually. Um, what do you got, John? Um, go Kooks. Yes. Is that even in doubt? Go right. Kooks. I'm going to take Stanford here. Uh, this oh is, you're testing my loyalty a little bit because I can't pick against my Cougs, but oh my gosh, they've been struggling. And I don't know. I see Arkansas's big push for Mike Leach right now, and if he leaves, and uh, oh, I go Cougs, but let's we need to win this game so we can become bowl eligible. And I think Oregon State's gonna be tough next week, so go Cougs, they'll win, they're gonna win. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the uh Wazoo's up for a, a good game, they usually have uh. A few, a few bad ones during a year, and all of a sudden they they you know play lights out. A friend of mine, his his son plays for Stanford, but uh, uh, I, I'm I'm picking WSU. Okay. Uh, next one is UW is uh, on the road at Colorado. I was hoping UW would have a better season than they uh, than they've had so far, but I don't think Colorado is going to be the one to upset mm-hmm. them. Of course, I said that about Cal. Mm-hmm. Said that about Stanford, but I'm saying the dogs. Yep, I got the dogs too. And I'm going UW. Yep, Huskies. Okay, and the last one uh, in the FCS ranks, uh, it's a pretty big game. Uh, number five, Montana is hosting number three, Weber State. Grizz. Grizz, that's it. <laughs> that's all you got. <laughs> I got Montana as well. I think uh, home field advantage. Eric tells me it's a great place to go watch a game. So. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Oh, it's an yeah. Place. yeah, yeah. I know Central almost knocked him off a few years back when Mike Reno and Tyrell Nielsen was playing, and Mike Riley was a quarterback, I believe. Two thousand eight. That's right. Vividly. Uh, if you haven't been to Grizz Stadium, you need to go. It's a lot of fun to go to. Uh, Weber State's pretty darn good, but I've, I'm just feeling the Grizz connection at home. I feel like they're going to take care of business this week. I wish I could go. Well, we we uh, actually play Montana next year. That's uh, our our up game for sure. Um, and I think the stadium atmosphere is unbelievable. At thirty six thousand students, 
uh, fans there, and uh, I think they're going to be pumped up. They're playing some pretty good football this year, so I'm going Montana. That's awesome. Well, that wraps things up for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our guest, Dennis Francois, the Athletic Director of Central Washington University, and, and thank you for joining us. It's been a very enjoyable episode to interview. My pleasure. Uh, we also need to thank Fitter's Furniture, quality furniture since 1896 for sponsoring us. And hopefully you guys hit us up on all the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram we're a part of and, and share it. Share with a friend. I'm sure someone out there hasn't heard of us that, that would thoroughly enjoy this. And until next week, we'll see you later, folks. <laughs>